Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, challenges facing millennials and Gen Z students. With us in our uh, virtual studio is Christine Robinson, uh, certified ADHD coach. Uh, We're going to get into the media show in a minute, but real quickly, tonight's show is being brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. We're very uh, grateful that the show is being brought to you by them tonight. They've been with us for a long time. Uh, They're very much a longtime supporter. Uh, One of the things that we're doing is we're promoting Attention Magazine. You can get your free edition, digital copies of Attention Magazine. All you have to do is listen to our show today. Um, for the secret word that will be given out and to listen to another show uh, that we have uh, done recently or will do in the future and uh, get that secret word and email me at attention at attentiontalkradio.com. And with those two secret words, we will get you in touch and um, Chad will send you a PDF of the current copy of Attention Magazine. And then when the next issue comes out, we'll forward that to you as well. Again, that's attention at attentiontalkradio.com. We've got a little tip that they're going to air real quickly and then we'll get into the show. Are you looking for a magazine that's rich in practical information, clinical insights, and evidence-based strategies for managing ADHD? We've got you covered. Chad's award-winning attention magazine will keep you informed and up-to-date on ADHD. Whether you read the print or digital version, Attention Magazine will definitely hold your attention. To start your subscription today, visit chad.org. For those that are not aware, CHAD is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. Uh, for all our listeners out there, we encourage you to become uh, members of CHAD. Uh, there's certainly a lot of great uh, member benefits, uh, discounts for the conferences, the magazine, access to certain webinars, as the expert, but the reason to join is not really that. It's really uh, a strong CHAD is a, a strong ADHD community because they're the ones that are on Capitol Hill talking to uh, legislators, the regulators, and really kind of allowing us to speak with one voice. And uh, it's, it's really, really important. So we encourage you to consider that. To learn more, go to chadd.org. Okay. So tonight's show is I'm very excited about because um, we're talking about uh, millennials and Gen Zs, which is really kind of a hot topic. And really what we're talking about is the world of change right now. Uh, years ago, uh, I was talking to my brother who uh, got his Ph.D. in mechanical engineering, and uh, we were talking about the, the pace of change. And he said there's more scientists alive today than there ever has been throughout history. And that caught me off guard. And he said, well, you know, the reason for that is, is back in the old days you had to have a lot of money. Uh, you had to have a, a lot of free time, and you had to be smart. And most people were just worried about uh, putting food on the table. And so as a result, things are moving at warp speed, and it's difficult to kind of get caught up. And I think uh, the millennials and Gen Zs are really dealing with some of that transition. It took me a while, uh, but I think uh, Christine Robinson is really a great guest to have a conversation about this because I think we're going to do a lot of illuminating, uh, not just the, the issues that are there, but talk about the, the background of ADHD and why it's challenging for these people, and it's different than what it used to be. Uh, Christine is a certified ADHD coach and an educational consultant certified by the Federation for Children with Special Needs in Boston. Christine has spent over 12,000 hours coaching children, teens, adults, couples, and college students. 
She's received her bachelor's degree in psychology from Clark University and her master's in education from Pittsburgh State University, uh, graduating summa cum laude. Uh, as well as having a private practice in Nashville, Tennessee. She's also associated with the Hallowell Center in New York City. She has her own training program for those who would like to add ADD coaching to their existing practices. To learn more about her and her programs, go to her website at addactioncoach.com. With that, Christine, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeff, for the invitation. I really appreciate it. I'm really, really kind of excited about this. Um, I want to kind of tee this up. We talked a little bit before this, but uh, I've learned so much in, over the years in my work or interviewing Dr. Russell Barclay how ADHD is a self-regulation issue, not so much of a deficit of attention. Um, there's things that they can pay attention to. There's issues not focusing on actually stopping, and there's some things they struggle with. The other challenge is working memory, and uh, we did a show with him, I think it was April of 2018, uh, uh, if you just... Google Attention Talk Radio and GPS will come up. And that need of people with ADHD having to hold and juggle things in, in their mind, which is an organizational function, and how the working memory is taxed. And mm-hmm. it becomes a bit of a challenge sometimes for them um, in environments where uh, more is expecting of their working memory. Um, and we're starting to see some of that with technology. And I think, I think our conversations focuses that with the advent of technology and with ADHD that this this generation is struggling more getting through school, among other things, because of that technology. you want to share your thoughts on this a little bit at a high level? We'll start getting into some details. Sure, absolutely. Um, what I see, especially with my high school and college students, um, even though we all think technology is great and should be incorporated into the educational system and many view as much as possible, um, I feel it is such a distraction. Um, when a college student sits down to write a paper, things are popping up constantly, text, um, you know, net, Netflix series announcements, YouTube, you know, the latest YouTube that they want to watch, and it's compromising their time and time management greatly. Uh, this is going all the way from sixth grade all the way up through grad school. I've coached medical school students, um, law school students. So the age barrier, um, certainly, you know, there is no age barrier with this. We see it throughout, you know, anyone who has a laptop or an iPhone or an Android. And, and you know something, I like how you, you said they got so many distractions, um, and when they're sitting on a computer, there's things kind of popping up. I just really quickly, I like to talk about uh, working memory a little bit, at like a like a sure. metaphor of a computer. When you turn your computer on, it takes not a uh, like a I iPad, but like the traditional computer, it takes a while for the operating system to come up. It takes a while for you to open up a lot of the programs that you're going to use to work. It takes time. It takes work in order for that to happen. And I find a lot of times a good way of thinking about this is that a student that's going to sit there and begin to think about a paper or think about something they're going to write, they have to boot up all the thoughts, and it's very effortful. It might take a minute or two. And if they have a window that pops up, maybe a a cute girl that's messaging them from Facebook or something like that, they go right. and take a look at it. It's like their computer got unplugged, and when they come back to what they're doing, they literally have to go through that process all over again. And those constant distractions are have, making them having to reboot their working memory, which after a while it becomes so tiresome trying to go back and remember what you're doing is they just kind of give up, if you will, and just end up going and dealing with that particular person. And so 
with the working memory thing, I wanted to kind of frame that out because that's very much a challenge for people with ADHD because it's an executive functioning issue. And with those distractions, they keep being drawn away, and it's like the computer gets unplugged, and it becomes very, very cumbersome and becomes difficult for them to regulate their attention. Does that make sense to you? Oh, I, I totally agree. And then the hyper-focus will kick in. So if they do find that Netflix series or a text exchange with a friend, they'll get caught up in that, and it will take so much more energy to get them back to the task at hand. Let's, I like what you said, energy. Let's just think about that for a second. When you say energy, what does that mean to you? Uh, it becomes exhausting. You know, I meet with a lot of students that are just exhausted. You know, it will take them days to write a three-page paper because of, because of these distractions. Many times I can associate it right back to technology because I'll ask a series of questions of, you know, how technology, um, you know, has infiltrated their life, how many hours they're spending on, you know, watching movies, yep. how many hours they're yep. spending on social media, et cetera. Yep. The one thing I, I, I love, Dr. Barkley talks a lot about, think of the brain as a two-level system. You have the primitive brain, the automatic mm -hmm. brain, and then you have the executive functioning brain. And the way he describes it is the executive functioning brain is very, very effortful. It's got to step in and use a lot of effort to override the automatic brain. And I like to sometimes frame it out in simple terms. Think of ADHD as a dopamine addiction. Let's just simplify it to addiction. We know dopamine is kind of involved. It's like think of an alcoholic in a bar. Like if their issue is not drinking, it actually willfully takes a lot for them to go out of the bar, which is why they go through rehab. Is sometimes it takes so much effort for them to do it, they can't. And so in this context, when you talked about the energy, when they're caught off on something, it takes so much energy, so much willpower, so much gut to get them back on task that it's exhausting, and willpower is a finite resource over a period of time. And in this context, we can begin to see how difficult it is because these kids are getting distracted all the time because of the technology and getting off task. And because they're ADD, it's taking so much more for them to get back. And even as I talk about it, it's kind of exhausting me a little bit to think about what they have to do. Is that, is that you like to add anything to that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's not like any uh, any of us can give us technology, give up technology, I should say. Um, you know, we have to regulate it constantly. I mean, I do. I have two college students. They do. If you don't regulate it, it will get out of control. And it's. I really make the comparison of eating. We all have to eat, but we all also have to regulate what we eat. So it's it's really the same philosophy, in my opinion. And I like that. We did a show um, a year and a half ago with Dr. Clifford Sussman talking about ADHD and screen addiction. And we actually talked about the biology of addiction, and we talked about how the computer games are, are they play into the addiction. And we actually then we did another show on, on the treatment of it, but we we that get, we did, deconstructed the game uh, Candy Crush in simple terms mm -hmm. to talk about how that game was designed to be addictive. It's very simple to learn, very difficult to be good at. There's like a lottery system when you hit the candies and da 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 And, yep. and um, in that conversation, I began to realize that eating addiction is difficult because you have to eat. And digital addiction is becoming difficult because you can't not be offline. So this is particularly challenging for our crowd out there who's got to self-regulate and abstain from that when that's – the very issue that they have is the ability to self-regulate. So this is like a double whammy. Oh, it is. And then, you know, of course, we could talk about sleep and how sleep is, oh, my gosh, seen so differently 
than it was 10 or 15 years ago. And the sleep deprivation I see with my clients is alarming because of technology. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, you know, Let's go to break. When we come back, I want to talk about, we've kind of framed out, I think, some of the issues that are there. I want to get a little bit more detail and kind of talk about what is a student to do. Uh, when they do that, everybody, um, you really need to go check out Christine's uh, uh, website at uh, www.addactioncoach.com. Our secret word tonight is millennials. Um, and if you're like me, you don't have to spell it right. Just get it close and we're good with it. Again, that's millennials. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Do you worry when your child is left out? Does your child have trouble making and keeping friends? Do they act out in school? Life skills can be challenging for ADHD kids. Learn how you can be her greatest ally. Get your parenting questions answered live the first Monday of every month in a Facebook chat with former Attention Talk Radio host Caroline McGuire. She's the author of the upcoming book, Why Will No One Play With Me? Go to www.carolinemaguireauthor.com to learn more. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. The average annual cost of attending college starts around $25,000. Students who have ADHD are at high risk of dropping out because they haven't learned the critical skills they need to succeed in school. Protect your investment with an EDGE Foundation coach, specifically trained to help students with ADHD and executive function challenge make the transition from high school to college. Visit edgefoundation.org to learn more or call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE to get your free college success guide. Hey, you parent or your kid who struggles with performance, motivation, or behavior? I'm Cindy Goldrich, parent coach and teacher trainer. Join me to learn how to reduce the chaos and stress and tackle issues such as motivation, setting boundaries, and increasing compliance. I've been helping parents for over 10 years through my nationally recognized parent workshop series, Calm and Connected. Join me for a live webinar, and it's now also available on demand. Go to ptscoaching.com to register today. That's ptscoaching.com. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Before the break, we're having a great conversation with Christine uh, Robinson about uh, ADHD and millennials and working memory and self-regulation and really talking about the advent of technology in the school system as really being kind of punitive and impairing to those with ADHD because it's taxing them more. Um, it's funny, I referenced an interview that I did with Russell Barkley uh, some time ago on working memory, and uh, it was great at the end of the um, interview, we kind of talked about how paper sometimes for those with ADHD is actually high-tech. Um, it's much easier for them to deal with. Christine, there's a, there's a real emphasis for the colleges in, in the world to teach learning uh, digitally right now, and at the end of the day, it's, it's a money-making proposition, and it's very convenient for them, but to me, as I've learned over the years, sometimes society really bullies people with ADHD to doing it their way because it's convenient for them. And while 
it's convenient for them to put books online and do all this kind of stuff. At the end of the day, it's punitive. And sometimes I think those with ADHD really have to advocate and push back in order to get what they need. Because after all, this is about learning uh, and, and acquiring that knowledge. You want to share your comments on that? I, I definitely think it's punitive. I mean, I work with students around the country, um, college students especially, and they all have different platforms um, you know, that all the professors put their work, um, you know, their assignments and so on. Some of these platforms are very confusing to navigate. You know, I will get students' passwords and I have trouble figuring it out. Um, so I see that as uh, a vastly compromising system because if these students actually need outside assistance to access their assignments, what is due this week, what pages they need to read, when is the test, I go through this constantly. And these are top, top universities to community colleges. Um, so, yeah, I definitely see it as compromising, and it just makes the academic life of any ADHD student more difficult and more demanding. It's so, yeah, it's so it is at the end of the day, but we have the forces working to begin. So now let's kind of talk a little bit about um, the fundamentals, like what do we do? And to me, the biggest issue, the, the most challenging thing for people with ADHD is the awareness and the ability to self-regulate, to actually pause and say, I'm going to block um, these distractions. I'm going to eliminate them from the possibilities. I know I interviewed Peter Shankman some time ago. Um, I won't go into a lot of detail his background, but he's, he's a very well-known individual in New York. And he actually, when he's got a right and he's in the office, he has lots of software that he, he nothing is allowed up like that from the Internet. There's no distractions. He like, does that on purpose because if he can't, he gets some things done. That's a high level of self-awareness and a lot of work to implement that. But that type of awareness and that type of discipline is really kind of required of these people, yet that's the most difficult thing for them to do. Would you agree with that or like to add anything to it? I agree. And one of the first things I usually do with students is a time management exercise. Have them write down per hour what they're doing for two days like, you know, an academic day and a weekend day. And then we can actually assess what we have to shut down and how long academic assignments are actually taking them and why. Mm -hmm. So there, there's a lot of self-awareness that comes out of that activity. I, they usually find it kind of grueling, to be honest with you, but it really is a necessary task so we can get a handle on where their time is going and where the challenges are. And, you know, I, I, as, a, as an ex-athlete, I used to be a swimmer um, uh, in, in college. That's what got me through. And it's funny because I swam for 10, 12 years. And in the pool, there's a pace clock, and we do something called interval swing, meaning maybe you're doing 50s on a minute, and every minute, every 60 seconds, you leave for another 50. If you do it in 30 seconds, you get 30 seconds rest. If it takes you 45, you get 15 seconds rest. And you do it over and over and over. And it was interesting to me because in my years of swimming, so much of it is time-based. I never realized and really looked at it. It's almost like a time exercise because I was always in the intervals would change. But the redundancy over period, I got a pretty good idea of what a minute is like. And as I like to describe it, it was an attention exercise. I was exercising the pool to build stamina, but the redundancy of the time over and over and over helped me get a real good sense of time. In a weird way, Christine, I'm hearing that when the people are sitting down, you're doing, here's the assignment, let's talk about what you're doing, how long did it take. There's the assignment, but there's the redundancy of the time that's beginning to help them bring an awareness to what's going on so that we're in the moment they actually can catch themselves 
and make some adjustments. Is that a little far-fetched? Would you agree with that? Oh, no, absolutely, Jeff. No, absolutely, Jeff, because that's one of my questions. How do you feel? What is your sense of time? Do you have a sense of time? Do you feel, can you, can you imagine what 30 minutes feels like? And with a lot of you know, my students, they, they say, no, I really don't, um, because that sense of time was never established. And, of course, it all goes back to executive functioning and, you know, the memory of doing certain tasks and bringing it forward to the next one. Or even getting immersed in something like I've talked to people before where they're hyper-focused on something and they get into it and hours pass because they're so so into it. They're not even realizing that the passage of time. They're not even aware of the passage of time, so they don't even feel the passage of time. So the, the hard part, the trick really is, is to help these students kind of get it and be aware of themselves and check in, which is unnatural for them because their automatic brain is going, all, going on all the time. So a lot of what's going on is working with them to actually help them see themselves and go, oh, my God, that's it. and to take ownership to do that. That's a real difficult thing to do, right? Oh, absolutely, and especially with my creative students, my musicians and artists, you know, they can start painting, they can start writing a song, playing music, and it's 1 o'clock in the morning and they think it's 9 p.m. Yep. So, you know, they really get caught up in the creativity, which is great, but if they have academics on top of it, then obviously it becomes a, an issue. And I'll, I'm going to kind of jump in here a little bit. There's that self-regulation to stop that and to go deal with the time, but I know, Christine, sometimes when I'm in a really, sometimes my brain is just in a really creative mode, and mm-hmm. I get an idea in my head, and again, it's a working memory issue. It starts to flow out, and if I don't, if I stop in the middle of that and come back to it later, I'm likely to have lost everything that's there. So sometimes I get into it and I'm going because there's the stream of consciousness and I don't sit there and let it all out and take advantage of everything that's there. I'm going to lose all that stuff. Again, that's a little bit of a working memory thing that sometimes inhibits my ability to get up and go do something that I need to do because, A, it's coming out. and Other times it's really, really fun. I mean, it's, oh, my God, an aha. And so that's the working memory side of it that makes it difficult to self-regulate. But at the same time, Sometimes I've done it before where I don't want to stop because if I don't do it then, then I will have lost that inspiration and all those thoughts. It's quite a dilemma when you think of it like that. Well, it is, especially with my artistic community. Um, You know, we we really try to sort out some kind of schedule where they will have that creative time and where they have to get their academics in. And another question I would ask is when do you do this task the best? What time of day? Do you like to write in the morning? Do you like to play music at night? Do you, do you like to study in the afternoon? You know, to get that kind of flow, because that's different for every person, whether you have ADHD or not. Yep. So I want to go to a break in a second. We're talking sure. about millennials and Gen, Gen Z right now, and we're talking about this, this academic environment and the technology really making it much more difficult for them to self-regulate. Uh, taxing working memory. I mean, you talked about going online. I've, I've done that before where stuff is all over the place. I mean, I grew up as just a book and a notepad. It, it was all right there, and I could I could dog ear the two things and flop around. Now you're, you're, you're scanning all over with and, t- and toggling screens to kind of hold that. So this is really what makes it more really difficult. And I think what we've framed out here, it takes work, the discipline of the self-awareness. We're talking about scheduling. Most of the stuff that we're talking about here is – is we're having, we need 
to build the very thing that they struggle with the most, and that is self-regulation. So at the end of the day, I think our point is it's hard to have ADHD, but it's even more difficult now given the environment. Zach, you want to add anything to that before we go to break? Absolutely. I mean, there are just so many pieces of technology to juggle, uh, the self-control, um, and the communication, you know, where I don't feel some children, because of technology, are not developing social skills as they were in the past. And that, of course, is going to vary from child to child and, you know, environment, genetics, and, and all. But I think that's a very big concern of mine at this point. Wow. Wow. i tell you what. Let's go to break. Again, everyone, go check out uh, Christine Robbins' uh, website at addactioncoach.com. Again, addactioncoach.com. Our secret word tonight is millennials. Uh, everybody, if you're like me, you just have to get it close, and I'll, I'll accept it. And with that, we'll be right back with these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, TimeTimer's bright red disc disappears. Visit TimeTimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. You can't go off to college with them, but we can. Visit EdgeFoundation.org to learn more how an Edge coach can help your student reach their full potential. You can also call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE and get a free college success guide. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We are uh, here with Christine Robinson uh, having a great conversation about uh, the issues facing uh, millennials and Gen Z, which is actually facing all of us, but in the learning environment, I think it's really kind of heightened some of that stuff. Uh, We've talked about a lot of the fundamentals, uh, issues that are there. We've talked about the societal pressures that it's making more difficult for this generation and probably future generations. And we talked about the the issue of, of, of awareness, which is difficult for people with ADHD, Christine, to me, more and more, the coaching paradigm is really, really kind of coming around uh, and becoming a little bit more in vogue because those with ADD really need those that structure that's there, uh, whether it's just a body double or accountability or somebody to help them talk through that this stuff. And because with that being said, I think learning is becoming much those with ADHD are more and more in need of that type of help, not just episodically, but more on a regular basis. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. Um, oftentimes I stay with a student in college every week, an hour a week for the whole year. Uh, I find that consistency and, um, 
you know, that ability to also talk about self-advocacy um, with professors, you know, to really stand up if you don't understand something in the classroom to, you know, move it forward and get the answers that they need. Uh, you know, and these are very bright students. You know, I, I coach students at Ivy League universities, um, top-tier schools, but they, they also need those skills. And that is actually one of the first things that I speak with college students about is self-advocacy because it can be the difference between an A and a D in a course. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's so many different things, you know, time management exercise, you know, reviewing um, assignments, planning on, you know, how far ahead you have to start a paper to get it done and what is realistic because, you know, we, we – want to set them up for success, not for failure. And um, it's just a lot of communication. And oftentimes, you know, these students were assisted in high school by their parents. You know, they kind of had that coach at home and that structure, and they go to college, and they don't have that structure anymore. They're independent, and sometimes things start to fall apart. So Absolutely. You know, that, that's, that's kind of my role at that point. And I want to I want to get really specific here and give an example because we talk about advocacy and planning, but I want to break this down at least from my experience, and I'm interested, Christine, from yours. Is people with ADHD? Let's just take packing, okay? So if they've got yeah. to plan the week or even time management, somebody's got to go on a trip. They've got to pack. I I found a lot of people with ADHD struggle with this because in a moment when they're sitting and getting ready to pack, they begin, hmm, what do I need? And let's say there's ten things that they need. Okay. Mm -hmm. I find that they'll come up with five or six relatively quickly. But then they hit a wall. Right. And what happens yeah. is is when they hit that wall, it's like that blank piece of paper, and, and they don't like to be bored. And so that, now they're off rearranging their sock drawer because they couldn't think of the rest of the things that they needed. And they're off to, to do their sock drawer just because it's there, so they get off on other tasks. Day goes by, then they're at the store, and all of a sudden they think of, like, number seven or eight that they need. Well, they remember it in their working memory, but they don't write it down, and they think, i got to remember that. Then they get back to the house. Now they have evidence that there was something. They remember they remembered something. They don't remember what it is, so they don't write it down, and now they're stuck. So it kind of goes on until the last minute when they're running out. What I want to highlight is that in order to think about this, it's a working memory. A lot of times I've seen people like they visualize the trip or they write out a timeline because when they can begin to see it, they can walk along and think of the things that they need to add to the list. Again, when they have the timeline or they put it on the bed, that's externalizing it. They're not having to create that picture in their mind, so it's less taxing to the working memory. So effectively, when you're working with somebody, I mean, I've, I've done some shows and videos where for camping, my son and I have a we did Boy Scouts lot. We have a list of every piece of camping equipment that we have in the house, and we print it off. And if we're going to go car camping or backpack camping, we determine we go we cross off everything that we don't need, and then we go get it. it doesn't tax our working memory because it's just a matter of elimination. Um, and that's a, a yeah. certainly a strategy to do it. But metaphorically, a way a, a coach can help or somebody else is when you ask them, oh, so what are you going to take? What do you need to wear? What do you need? What kind of toiletries do you need? When you ask those questions, it sparks things, and it makes it easier for them to respond and to think about that stuff and to get it out on a piece of paper. So effectively is they've got it in their head, and they can't seem to reach behind the curtain to get those items. But having an external person ask them the question makes it easier for them to go in there and kind of pull that out. And sometimes they can be very, very effective. And I know when I grew up, 
um, there were certain environments that you were in where you were just in college naturally doing that with some other people. So that happened, and you didn't necessarily know that it's there. But I'm finding more and more that millennials and people are becoming more isolated, and there's just not family or people that they're talking about. And so this notion of having somebody ask the questions or be there actually makes it easier for them to extrapolate it out of their head. Again, this goes back to working memory. Does this make some sense to you? Yeah. you want to comment, add anything, thoughts? Well, I, I have helped so many clients um, probably from age 18 through adult pack. Uh, so what you're saying is completely resonating with me. I mean, we'll go through what you need, what you don't need, what you have to put in the car. And it's just that thought process. I mean, many people with ADHD, if they have to reorganize their closet, they will do so much better with someone either standing there or on the phone because it will keep them focused. And everything that you're saying is absolutely true. I feel like when I sit down with a student, I'm – I'm reiterating things that they already know, but the planning process isn't there. So, so I'm taking them from A to Z because if, I, if, if someone wasn't there, at least initially, you know, in the start of the coaching process, they'll get to A to E maybe. Yep. So, you know, I, I'm kind of finishing that loop for them to, yep. to get through the, the task. It's, uh, it's what you're saying, I'm just going to, like, just make a slight adjustment. I've worked with a lot of people that are that have a lot of clutter, and literally mm-hmm. just somebody where they pick something up, they would look at it before and just say, hey, this is, this is just clutter. They don't really think, well, what do I need to do with this? I'll say, what is that? What does it represent? What do you need to do? Oh, it's garbage. I can get rid of it. Oh, this needs to go to... Uh, I don't Salvation Army. Oh, this is a memory. It needs to go to my museum, which is another concept. But literally just yes. sitting there and asking them, what is that? That actually helps them actually address what's there because, again, in the absence of that prompt, it's like they can't pull out from behind the curtain. So that's why so often doing work with other people is really critical because it, it helps them pull out of their head what's already there and move forward, which goes back to this whole premise. It's so much more difficult on millennials and Gen Z right now because of the technology, because of the distractions of technology. It's all in one place and the taxing of the working memory. The more I'm talking about, Christine, it's amazing to me that they ever get through school because it's killing me just thinking about what it's like right now. Oh, yeah. I've, I've worked with some students who have been very, very exhausted by this process, but then leave school and find great jobs and are wonderful in the workplace because, obviously, they're doing something that they are passionate about, that yep. that, that position is their strength, and yep. academics is kind of just – it's very challenging sometimes for yep. for many of these students. One of the things that I like about what you're doing and what I'm starting to see so much more often is we know that the, the executive function of somebody with ADHD is about 20, 25% behind in terms of development. And when they get to college to have a coach or have somebody they're working with um, to do, I call these attention exercises to help them become self-aware so they can do this. It's really difficult to do at a younger age, but it's becoming a bigger deal. And I can see a, it's more effective as they start to reach seniors and in high school as a means to kind of help them move forward. And I'm hearing that effectively you're doing a lot of that and helping people really thrive to create that self-awareness for them to do that. Um, want to add to that? Um, yeah, and I'm working, you know, with younger high school students too. I'm, I've done uh, 
presentations to different colleges and oftentimes I go through that presentation on executive function and what it means to have a deficit in executive function and how to be very aware of it at a young age. I mean, these, these kids are 14 and 15 sometimes that I start coaching. So not that we can fix all these issues right away, but the awareness is there and that ability to receive help is there as well. They're, they're open to it. And I think that's, you know, 95% of the game. Everybody stop. It was just brilliant. Openness. Do this. Mm-hmm. It's 95% of the game. Part of that openness is that awareness. It, as I described, it has to click with them. I coached a woman, yes. a girl one time, I think she was 23, and we talked endlessly about how she relies on her memory to remember and how it wasn't working with it, wasn't working for. And at the end of session after session after session, I'm like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And one day I said, we got through the, like, you're going to do this, right? She said, yeah. And I said, wait a second, hang on, did you write that down? Oh, no, I guess I should have. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but we talked about it for hours at that point in time and talked about weeks, and it never actually occurred to her to write it down, even though we were talking about the need to write it down. And Sometimes it just takes the redundancy of that over a period of time, and I call it that click, that thing that they go from just the automatic brain just doing an automatic response to all of a sudden one day they wake up and they realize, oh, my God, I've got to do that, and they're open in the awareness. And this, that's the thing that's the most frustrating, I think, about this group is you can't control that click inside their head. Now, I'm oh, not I so totally sure agree. if you've experienced yeah. that, but it's – as a parent, you just have to be patient. The harder you press that and the harder you try, I think it actually makes it more difficult. Um, your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, first, you know, the, the client has to trust you and they have to believe yep. in you. I mean, I think that's number one. Um, but when you were talking about the, the writing of down, down of things, um, I kind of assess that in, with each client that I meet with because if they don't come with a notebook or some kind of piece of paper to write things down, I know already wh- where we're at. And that's yep. something that we have to build on and, and work through. And the other thing I really wanted to emphasize is that what you said in the beginning, I think, about going back to paper, 95% of all my clients, whether they are 12, 18, or 45, go back to paper. Go back to paper planners, lists, not that they're not using technology in other ways, maybe to set a timer, you know, so they don't forget an appointment or something like that, but they are going back to paper. Because it's it's real, and that ability to cross things off, it, it's it's just more meaningful, and it works better with their working memory. <laughs> I I don't want to delay this too much longer, but you know it's so funny. I've <laughs> I've coached so many people that need to go to paper, but it's funny because I've actually had to coach them because at point of performance when that, when they need it, they need that pen and they need that paper in their hand, and often mm-hmm. it's not around. I've actually had to coach people where they had to tie pen around a string or dental floss around their neck and have paper that's there because in the moment it comes to them and they've got to go find the pencil or paper, number one, to go find that, they forget about what the idea and stuff was just because that's a working memory issue. Or two, it's too difficult and they don't necessarily do it. So it's crazy to say, well, we have to have the paper, the, the instrument to write it with, and the idea at the per- point of performance because we got about three seconds before we're going to lose the opportunity for that. And it's strange, but literally sometimes it takes a couple of weeks just for them to kind of get that habit together so they can execute it. 
because there's so much technology around and, and they're, they're, they're being conditioned not to use it. And those simple things are not even around that much anymore, so they actually have to go through the effort to make it happen. I know it sounds kind of crazy out there, but this is how all this stuff kind of comes together, and that's why I think it's so difficult for this crowd. Oh, it is. And, and I'll just say at the college level, I love professors who do not allow technology to be opened up in a lecture, in a class, because I'll just tell you, some professors don't do that. My own daughter is in college in Chicago, and one, one day a kid was, you know, next to her watching a YouTube video during a lecture. Uh, you know, so the distractions are endless, Jeff. <laughs> They're absolutely so. It's it's difficult. So at the end of the day, I think we've concluded is that the learning environment for this crowd is definitely more difficult than it was when I was going going forward. Uh, what do you do? You have to work with them on the self awareness, and they have to it's got to click for them, and then be open with it, and they've got to put the work into it, and all that stuff is make it's so much more difficult for this crowd to do it than other people. I mean, Dr. Barclay said, you know, they're. People with ADHD like self-help, but it's so much more difficult because it requires self-regulation, which is the very thing that they struggle with. So with that, anything, uh, anything left to, to comment on or that, to add that we haven't covered before we pull things to a close? Oh, let's say, um, well, I, oh, I think you've really covered a lot of bases here, Jeff. There's a lot of work to do. I mean, this is obviously my passion, and um, but I, I see real results with my clients over time. And But it does take time, and people have to be open to that. You know, we, we can't fix this in a couple of weeks. It often takes, you know, a, a good amount of time to establish these habits and to really get into a flow. And every client is an individual. You know, what works for one of my clients may not work for the other. So that's why, you know, in my effort to do the best coaching that I can, I really get to know my clients and, you know, ask a lot of questions. So, um, but I think, you know, the, the, the technology is needed, but we have to regulate it. And that goes through all ages. Everyone that's holding an iPhone in their hand has to be cognizant of that. Yep. I couldn't agree with you more. Yet, they're holding that iPhone. It's like crack cocaine sometimes. So it's really difficult. It is. Which is why it's harder than ever. It's, this is like an eating thing. You, you have to eat, but you have to regulate. So it's particularly difficult. So with all that, everyone, please visit uh, Christine's website at addactioncoach.com. Again, our secret word tonight is millennials. And with that, uh, Christine, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you, Jeff. It was a pleasure. Everyone, I hope you've enjoyed this edition of Attention Talk Radio. Catch us next week. Take care. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.